Hello, fellow saints, and welcome back to Come Follow Me with Brother T. We are finishing up the Book of Mormon. This is the final chapter, Moroni chapter 10. And in this final chapter, Moroni gives his last bit of parting advice by way of exhortation to the ancestors of the Lamanites and to us. And he writes about three very important principles. Number one, how to gain a witness of the truthfulness of the Book of Mormon. Number two, spiritual gifts. And number three, the need to come unto Christ and how we do that. You will notice in this chapter that he uses the word exhort very often, and it starts off in verse 1. And I looked up the definition of exhort, and it means to strongly encourage. So he is strongly encouraging us to do these things. And what is he strongly encouraging us to do? In verse 3, we read, Behold, I would exhort you that when ye shall read these things, if it be wisdom in God that ye should read them, that ye would remember how merciful the Lord has been unto the children of men, from the creation of Adam, even down until the time that ye shall receive these things and ponder it in your heart. So what are we supposed to remember? First of all, we're supposed to remember the mercy of the Lord from creation until now. It's a lot to think about. And he uses the word ponder. Gene R. Cook said the last five words of Moroni 10.3 offer an important admonition. Ponder it in your hearts. What is the antecedent of it? The thing that we are able to ponder, it is how merciful the Lord has been unto the children of men from the creation of Adam, even down until the time that ye shall receive these things. We are to remember how loving, how provident, how good, how forgiving our Heavenly Father has been toward us. What usually happens when we begin to ponder how merciful the Lord has been to mankind, to us personally, what happens when we count our blessings or perhaps our sins for which we must ask his forgiveness and recognize his hand in our individual lives? Is it not true that our hearts turn to the Lord in love and gratitude? Do our faith and humility increase? Yes, and that, in my judgment, is the impact of verse 3. Following the counsel therein helps us to become more humble, more willing and ready to receive new information and knowledge with an open mind. Now let's compare that to the world today. And the world today points us toward the negative and the bad in others. Don't forget the warning about the motes in other people's eyes and the beams in ours. Really look to the good from God and how that manifests in us and in other people. And it reminds me of, of kind of a comedy sketch by Louis C.K. titled, Everything is Amazing, But Nobody is Happy. And here we have Moroni, whose father has died at the hands of his enemy. He's utterly alone. He's being hunted because of his beliefs and the people are super wicked. And yet he reminds us that we need to remember the mercy of God. We do live in some amazing times. Are there going to be hardships? Yes. Do we know who wins? Yes. Will we overcome if we're on Christ's team? Heck yes. So this is what we need to remember. And this is what he's encouraging us to remember. This is what Dale G. Renlund said. He said, the consistency of pleas from prophets to reflect on the goodness of God is striking. Our Heavenly Father wants us to recall his and his beloved son's goodness, not for their own gratification, but for the influence such remembrance has on us. By considering their kindness, our perspective and understanding are enlarged. By reflecting on their compassion, we become more humble, prayerful, and steadfast. In verse 4 we read, And when ye shall receive these things, I would exhort you, here the word exhort is again, that you would ask God, the Eternal Father, in the name of Christ, if these things are not true. 
And if ye shall ask with a sincere heart, with real intent, having faith in Christ, he will manifest the truth of it unto you by the power of the Holy Ghost. So we are to ask God in the name of Christ if it is true, if the Book of Mormon is true. But we have to ask with sincerity, we have to ask with intent, and we have to ask in faith. Dallin H. Oaks said, Moroni did not promise a manifestation of the Holy Ghost to those who seek to know the truth of the Book of Mormon for hypothetical or academic reasons, even if they ask with a sincere heart. The promise of Moroni is for those who are committed in their hearts to act upon the manifestation if it is received. Prayers based on any other reason have no promise because they are not made with real intent. In other words, truth will be manifested by the Holy Ghost if we do so with real intent. Boyd K. Packer said, When I first read the Book of Mormon from cover to cover, I read the promise that if I would ask God, the Eternal Father, in the name of Christ, if the things I had read were true, and if I would ask with a sincere heart, with real intent, having faith in Christ, he would manifest the truth of it unto me by the power of the Holy Ghost. I tried to follow those instructions as I understood them. If I expected a glorious manifestation to come at once as an overpowering experience, it did not happen. Nevertheless, it felt good, and I began to believe. I learned that anyone, anywhere, could read the Book of Mormon and receive inspiration. My experience has been that a testimony does not burst upon us suddenly. Rather, it grows. Do not be disappointed if you have read and reread and yet have not received a powerful witness. You may be somewhat like the disciples spoken of in the Book of Mormon, who were filled with the power of God in great glory, and they knew it not. Do the best you can. Bruce R. McConkie said there is another simpler test that all who seek to know the truth might well take. It calls for us simply to read, ponder, and pray, all in the spirit of faith and with an open mind, to keep ourselves alert to the issues at hand. As we do read, ponder, and pray, we should ask ourselves a thousand times, could any man have written this book? And it is absolutely guaranteed that sometime between the first and thousandth time, the question is asked. Every sincere and genuine truth seeker will come to know by the power of the Spirit that the Book of Mormon is true that it is the mind and will and voice of the Lord to the whole world in our day. Gordon B. Hinckley backed him up and says, Without reservation, I promise you that you will observe this single program, regardless of how many times you previously may have read the Book of Mormon. There will come into your lives and into your homes an added measure of the Spirit of the Lord, a strengthened resolution to walk in obedience to His commandments, and a stronger testimony of the living reality of the Son of God. And in saying that, isn't that really how a testimony grows and is given to us by the power of the Holy Spirit? When we do what's right, when we do what we're supposed to do, when we see the fruit of what living the gospel and the teachings according to the Book of Mormon does for us, isn't that testimony building? Verse 5 reiterates that it's by the power of the Holy Ghost that we may know the truth of all things. And remember in verses 6 and 7 that good things do not deny Christ. They do the opposite. They testify of the Savior. Which brings us to verse 7 where he says, Wherefore I would exhort you that ye deny not the power of God. For he worketh by power according to the faith of the children of men, the same today and tomorrow and forever. Remember that he is an unchanging being. He is the same always. He's perfect. Once you're perfect, you stay perfect. And in doing those things, we need to seek for the gifts of the Spirit. Verse 8 says, And again, I exhort you, my brethren, that ye deny not the gifts of God, for they are many, and they come from the same God, 
And there are different ways that these gifts are administered. And it is the same God who worketh all in all. And they are given by the manifestations of the Spirit of God unto men to profit them. So let's go over the gifts of the Spirit and what they are and how to get them. Bruce R. McConkie said, The purpose of spiritual gifts is to enlighten, encourage, and edify the faithful so that they will inherit peace in this life and be guided toward eternal life in the world to come. Their presence is proof of the divinity of the Lord's work. Where they are not found, there the church and kingdom of God is not. The promise is that they shall never be done away as long as the earth continues in its present state, except for unbelief. But when the perfect day comes and the saints obtain exaltation, there will be no more need for them. As Paul expressed it, when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. Verses 9 through 16 goes through a number of these various gifts, and I would encourage you to study these and figure out which gifts you have or which might be budding in you and which ones you want to develop and seek after. Verse 17 says, And all these gifts come by the Spirit of Christ, and they come unto every man severally according as he will. In other words, we are each given several spiritual gifts, and we need to develop them, and we need to develop them to bless others and the church. Bruce R. McConkie also said, Faithful persons are expected to seek the gifts of the Spirit with all their hearts. They are to covet earnestly the best gifts, to desire spiritual gifts, to ask of God who giveth liberally. To some will be given one gift, to others another, and unto some it may be given to have all of those gifts, that there may be a head in order that every member may be profited thereby. He continued, Spiritual gifts are endless in number and infinite in variety. Those listed in the revealed word are simply illustrations of the boundless outpouring of divine grace that a gracious God gives those who love and serve him. Marvin J. Ashton said, Let us review some of these less conspicuous gifts. The gift of asking, the gift of listening, the gift of hearing and using a still small voice. The gift of being able to weep, the gift of avoiding contention, the gift of being agreeable, the gift of avoiding vain repetition, the gift of seeking that which is righteous, the gift of not passing judgment, the gift of looking to God for guidance, the gift of being a disciple, the gift of caring for others, the gift of being able to ponder, the gift of offering prayer, the gift of bearing a mighty testimony, and the gift of receiving the Holy Ghost. Brothers and sisters, we all have gifts. And we need to figure out which ones are gifts and develop those. As Paul taught, we are the body of Christ and each part of the body has a role to play in the church. And not one body part is more important than the other. Just like one member of the church is not any more important than the other. We just have different roles. And a little bit of a word of warning against seeking gifts that are not our own. President Packer said, Inasmuch as spiritual gifts are gifts... The conditions under which we may receive them are established by him who offers them to us. Spiritual gifts cannot be forced, for a gift is a gift. They cannot, I repeat, be forced, nor bought, nor earned, in the sense that we may make some gesture in payment and expect them to automatically be delivered on our own terms. There are those who seek such gifts with such persistence that each act moves them further from them, and in that persistence and determination they place themselves in spiritual danger. Rather, we are to live to be worthy of the gifts, and they will come according to the will of the Lord. So, of course, that begs the question, how do we discover our gifts? What do we need to do? Well, Elder John C. Pingree Jr. said, 
So how do we come to know our gifts? We can reference our patriarchal blessing, ask those who know us best, and personally identify that we are naturally good at and enjoy. Most important, we can ask God. He knows our gifts, since he gave them to us. Verse 18 reminds us, and again I would exhort you, my beloved brethren, that ye remember that every good gift cometh of Christ. So these are gifts given to us by the Savior. Gene R. Cook said, one of the great processes you go through in life is to discover yourself, to find those gifts and capabilities God has given you. He has given you great talents, the smallest part of which you have just begun to utilize. Trust the Lord to assist you in unlocking the door to those gifts. Some of us have created imaginary limits in our minds. There is literally a genius locked up inside each of us. Don't ever let anyone convince you otherwise. Parley P. Pratt said, The gift of the Holy Spirit adapts itself to all these organs or attributes. It quickens all the intellectual faculties, increases, enlarges, expands, and purifies all the natural passions and affections, and adapts them by the gift of wisdom to their lawful use. It inspires, develops, cultivates, and matures all the fine-toned sympathies, joys, tastes, kindred feelings, and affections of our nature. It inspires virtue, kindness, goodness, tenderness, gentleness, and charity. It develops beauty of person, form, and features. It tends to health, vigor, animation, and social feeling. It invigorates all the faculties of the physical and intellectual man. It strengthens and gives tone to the nerves. In short, it is, as it were, marrow to the bone, joy to the heart, light to the eyes, music to the ears, and life to the whole being. Verse 19 exhorts us to remember that God is unchanging. Verse 20 gives us the three-legged stool scenario again. It says, Wherefore there must be faith, and if there must be faith, there must also be hope, and if there must be hope, there must also be charity. Remember, these three things are the key to gaining exaltation in the life to come and also in receiving joy here upon the earth. And I love how he breaks it down just a little bit more. Verse 21, he talks about how that except ye have charity, ye can in no wise be saved in the kingdom of God. Neither can ye be saved in the kingdom of God if ye have not faith, neither can ye if ye have no hope. Verse 22, and if ye have no hope, ye must needs be in despair, and despair cometh because of iniquity. This is what President Benson said about despair. He said, in the Book of Mormon, we read that despair cometh because of iniquity. When I do good, I feel good, said Abraham Lincoln, and when I do bad, I feel bad. Sin pulls a man down into despondency and despair. While a man may take some temporary pleasure in sin, the end result is unhappiness. Wickedness never was happiness. Sin creates disharmony with God and is depressing to the spirit. Therefore, a man would do well to examine himself, to see that he is in harmony with all of God's laws. Every law kept brings a particular blessing. Every law broken brings a particular blight. Those who are heavy laden with despair should come unto the Lord, for his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Verse 23 says, And Christ truly said unto our fathers, If ye have faith, ye can do all things which are expedient unto man. Jesus Christ makes these three things possible. It is his charity that allows us to have charity and know what charity is. We hope in him, and it is through him that we even have any hope of abandoning our sins. 
It does take faith, however, to improve ourselves and to rely on the Lord. Remember that the first principles and ordinances of the gospel are first faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Elder Worthland said, when we keep the Lord's commandments, faith, hope, and charity abide with us. These virtues distill upon our soul as the dews from heaven, and we prepare ourselves to stand with confidence before our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, without blemish and without spot. These are the virtuous, lovely, praiseworthy characteristics we seek. We are all familiar with Paul's teaching that charity never faileth. Certainly, we need unfailing spiritual strength in our lives. Moroni recorded the revelation that faith, hope, and charity bringeth us unto the Lord, the fountain of all righteousness. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the restored Church of the Lord on the earth today, guides us to the Savior and helps us develop, nurture, and strengthen these divine attributes. In verse 27 we read, And I exhort you to remember these things, for the time speedily cometh, that ye shall know that I lie not. For ye shall see me at the bar of God, and the Lord God will say unto you, Did I not declare my words unto you, which were written by this man, like as one crying from the dust, yea, even as one speaking out of the dust? In other words, if we do not study the Book of Mormon and apply the teachings to our lives, Moroni himself will stand as a witness at the bar of God. In order to avoid that, we must do as he says in verse 30, And again I would exhort you that ye would come unto Christ, and lay hold upon every good gift, and touch not the evil gift, nor the unclean thing. Verse 31, And awake and arise from the dust, O Jerusalem. Yea, put on thy beautiful garments, O daughters of Zion. And strengthen thy stakes, and enlarge thy borders forever, that thou mayest no more be confounded, that the covenants of the Eternal Father which he hath made unto thee, O house of Israel, may be fulfilled. In other words, brothers and sisters, we need to come unto Christ, and we need to gather Israel, and gather as Israel. Verse 32 says, Yea, come unto Christ, and be perfected in him. And deny yourselves of all ungodliness. And if ye shall deny yourselves of all ungodliness, and love God with all your might, mind, and strength, then is his grace sufficient for you, that by his grace ye may be perfect in Christ. And if by the grace of God ye are perfect in Christ, ye can in no wise deny the power of God. President Ballard said, It is only through the infinite atonement of Jesus Christ that people can overcome the consequences of bad choices. No matter how hard we work, no matter how much we obey, no matter how many good things we do in this life, it would not be enough were it not for Jesus Christ and his loving grace. On our own, we cannot earn the kingdom of God, no matter what we do. Unfortunately, there are some within the church who have become so preoccupied with performing good works that they forget that those works, as good as they may be, are hollow unless they are accompanied by complete dependence on Christ. To emphasize this, I want to read Doctrine and Covenants section 76, verses 50 through 53, and then also verse 69. It says, And again we bear record, for we saw and heard, and this is the testimony of the gospel of Christ concerning them who shall come forth in the resurrection of the just. They are they who received the testimony of Jesus, and believed on his name, and were baptized after the manner of his burial, being buried in the water in his name, and this according to the commandment which he has given that by keeping the commandments they might be washed and cleansed from all their sins, and receive the Holy Spirit by the laying on of hands of him who is ordained and sealed unto this power. And who overcome by faith are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise, 
which the Father sheds forth upon all those who are just and true. These are they who are just men made perfect through Jesus Christ, the mediator of the new covenant, who wrought out this perfect atonement through the shedding of his own blood. Verse 33 reads, And again, if ye by the grace of God are perfect in Christ, and deny not his power, then are ye sanctified in Christ by the grace of God, through the shedding of the blood of Christ, which is in the covenant of the Father under the remission of your sins, that ye become holy without spot. On the title page of the Book of Mormon, it states that one of the purposes of the Book of Mormon is to convince Jew and Gentile that Jesus is the Christ. As a concluding witness of this, consider the following fact. Of the 6,607 total verses found in the Book of Mormon, 3,925 reference Jesus Christ's name. This means that some form of Christ's name is mentioned approximately every 1.7 verses, and that's according to Susan Ward Easton. In verse 34, he gives his final farewell. He says, And now I bid unto all farewell. I soon go to rest in the paradise of God until my spirit and body shall again reunite, and I am brought forth triumphant through the air to meet you before the pleasing bar of the great Jehovah, the eternal judge of both quick and dead. Amen. I will add my testimony to Moroni's that Christ is our Savior and that it is through him that we can overcome our sins and become perfected in him. And I know that to be true. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening. I hope you have enjoyed this podcast. I started this podcast journey quite simply to help me magnify my calling as a Sunday school teacher. I never expected that recording each week would continue into December. And like most of my callings in the church, there was a time when I thought it was a little too overwhelming and I was running faster than was needed. But thanks to many of you out there who have encouraged me to continue. I was released as a Sunday school teacher in October. and I was called to be the New Ward Mission Leader, which is a busy enough calling. I felt like I was too invested in this project to quit at that time, and I still feel that way. My plan is to go back to the beginning of the Book of Mormon and cover the introduction and First and Second Nephi, and in this way I'll have covered the whole book. After that, unless inspired to do otherwise, I'm going to wrap up Come Follow Me with Brother T and focus on my new callings and maybe a podcast for my business. I am planning to take my time in releasing the episodes that cover the first part of the Book of Mormon, and so it, they're not going to come out every week like they have been, but I would encourage you to study the Book of Mormon every day along with Come Follow Me assignments covering whichever set of scriptures are at the time. Uh, coming up, it's going to be the Doctrine and Covenants. Again, thank you for listening. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, as always, you feel free to reach out to me at drjaredthomas at gmail.com or to send me a text at 916-412-2136. Thank you and have a blessed day.